Welcome home. We are so glad that you're here today or you're watching online. And welcome uh, to uh, church here at Pitnaz this morning. Happy Mother's Day. If you are a mom, would you just stand really quickly? We want to honor you. All of our moms, just stand up real quick. Let's give them a hand. Thank you so much. So we just honor you today. Thank you for putting up with the rest of us, and uh, we're glad that you're here this morning. We're in a series called It's Complicated, What Relationship Isn't? And as Adam mentioned, you know, families can be complicated, and Mother's Day can be complicated, can't it? Some of us today, as Adam mentioned, maybe we're missing mom. This is our first Mother's Day without mom. And even if it isn't, uh, but maybe we're remembering our mother today whenever she passed. Or I remember before we had our first child, how badly my wife and I wanted to have a child. So maybe for some of us today, you'd like to have a child, but maybe can't. Maybe you don't have a great relationship with your mom or whatever it might be today. Mother's Day can be complicated. And yet at the same time, we want to celebrate our moms for who they are. And so uh, we do want to say Happy Mother's Day. We're in this series called It's Complicated, What Relationship Isn't? And today we're talking about family. A couple weeks ago, we talked about that our relationship with God can be complicated. Adam did a great job last week talking about how sometimes the way we look at ourselves even can be complicated. But I can't think of a, of a more hot-button topic than family. Family can be complicated. Can I get an amen? Amen. Family can be complicated. All right, let's just all say that together. Family can be... Man, that is so true. Family can be complicated. So today we're going to talk about the recipe of a healthy family. And, and we're not saying there's an ideal family. You know, we, families come in all shapes and sizes. I'm from a blended family. Some of us might be from a single mom family or a single dad family, or, or we have what you'd call maybe a traditional family, or we grew up in foster care. I mean, there's all kinds of families, all kinds of tribes. And no matter what kind of family you're from, no matter how much you wish you were like someone else's family, let me tell you something. Their family's complicated too. So we're going to talk about that today. God's plan for families isn't a secret recipe. It's not a secret recipe. Man, what's their secret? What's dad's secret? Why does his kids behave? Why are their kids grown and doing what they're supposed to? I wish I had their marriage. I wish I, wish I could parent like them. I wish you know, I, I was a better parent like they are. What's their secret? There's not a secret recipe today. But the Bible lays out a specific recipe. Let's read this together. God's plan for families isn't a secret recipe, but it is a specific recipe. You know what else is a specific recipe? Chocolate chip cookies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, we're going we're gonna to make some chocolate chip cookies. You guys all good with that? Yeah? Now, this is like the third time I've done this kind of a deal over the years. And in the past, I made like 500 cookies so that every mom could have two. This year, I didn't have time, so you guys got Hershey bars as you leave today, okay? So, so sorry about that. But we're making chocolate chip cookies, and we're talking about recipes for a family. And the truth is, if you're going to follow a specific recipe... Right? You gotta have specific ingredients to go along with that. So you gotta have brown sugar, which is one of my favorite ingredients. Sugar, right? Vanilla extract. My kids' favorite ingredient, chocolate chips, right? Baking soda. 
salt, not just Crisco, boys and girls, butter-flavored Crisco, okay? Yeah, it's fat-free, all right? So just so you know, and eggs, you got to have eggs. And over the years, learning to do this, I can't cook anything. I can grill hot dogs, okay, I can do that. Uh, But I couldn't cook anything, and so the first time I did this, I messed up a ton of times. Sometimes I was messed up because I forgot an ingredient or I put too much ingredient in. I feel like Emerald Live up here, (laughs) right? Yeah, bam. Uh, Or I put too much or too little of this, okay? It took me a while to figure out that there's ratios that go with stuff. So like for your dry ingredients, you can't just eyeball it. I mean, it calls for something specific. So like I had to learn that you actually have to put in two, two cups of flour, right? And then a fourth of flour. You can't just kind of guess because I've done that and that doesn't work. And sometimes, you know, families are like that. We kind of guess at things a little bit. And sometimes we guess at it a little bit too much instead of seeking counsel, seeking instruction on how to do it. And I'm not at all worried that I'm going to miss an ingredient because I can't multitask. Don't worry about that. And it also needs baking soda and it needs salt, right? And, you know, when you're cooking something... There's a process to it. You can't just dump everything together. See, I, when I first got married, I didn't know that you're not supposed to put new towels in with the rest of your clothes. I didn't know that, right? They don't, there's a process. So my wife let me know after I colored all of our clothes, the, the color of these new towels. There's a process, and it's the same with cooking, and it's the same in families. There's a process to things, right? There, there's a method to it, okay? So you have those dry ingredients, those, those things that that are very specific. Then, as I started getting into this, Mark Lehman from FLAG, the pastor there, they actually did this idea several years ago, and they're who I stole it from. And so this is actually Sarah Lehman's recipe that we've used here. But these are the wet ingredients that go along with it. And you got to have that butter-flavored Crisco, right? you got to have a cup of that. That goes in there. And then you got to have three-fourths cup sugar. Now, one year, the very first year I did this, I won't say the lady's name. She might be sitting in here. She noticed that I dumped the sugar in twice, all right? So I'm going to try to just do that once. But I, All right, so you got to have sugar, and then you got to have some brown sugar, right? That goes in there like that. And then now what do I do, right? Well, they also got more instructions. Now you got to mix these things together. You got to mix it up. And, and then it says, as you're mixing these things, you got to add some eggs, which I left the eggs in my office, in the fridge. <laughs> All right. I was trying to think of a smooth way to, to, to transition to that, but there isn't a way to do that. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm just going to keep talking until he brings the eggs back. But they're in my office. Hopefully he knows to, to check in the, in the fridge there. <laughs> And see, there you go. You forget something. But you're supposed to mix the, the ingredients. You're, you're supposed to put the eggs in, which we'll get in just a minute. And the teaspoon of vanilla goes in as well. So I'll just go ahead and add the vanilla. Thank you. Let's give Adam a hand here. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you, Vanna. I appreciate that. No, but uh, I didn't want the eggs to stay out and get, get gross over time. So I kept putting them in my fridge there. All right, so it needs two eggs. Hopefully I won't put any shells in. And then you mix those up. 
And then it needs vanilla as well. So we'll put a little vanilla in there. Bam! Put that in there. <laughs> Had to do that at least once. All right? Then you add your wet ingredients. Throw those in there. Hopefully I won't dump this all over the floor. Okay? Those are dry ingredients. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Don't pay attention to the details. All right? Okay. Now I'm trying to remember if I put everything in there. I think I did. So those get mixed up. I told the first service, I can't, t- I can't do two things at once. Anybody can't multitask? I can't. So trying to preach a sermon and do this is just not good for me. So I'm just going to cook first. And then this is the part where somehow my kids, they might be in their bedroom playing PS4 with the headset on. Or my wife might be somewhere. But somehow they know at just this time to walk in the kitchen. And they're all, they'll all stand around the mixing bowl as I dump in the chips because they know we're almost home. And then they beg for... How many of you guys like cookie dough? All right, how many of you don't like it because it's salmonella? We got a few? Yeah, a few. Okay, those of you people that raised your hand just now, you're like my wife. You guys are weird, okay? I'm not going to lie to you. Okay, so you got your, your cookie dough now. Okay? Don't worry if it went over the floor, all over the floor. And it says you got to dish them up. Now, we're giving away 10 cookies today during the service at the end of the service. So some of you will get cookies. The rest of us will get Hershey bars. <laughs> Scoop those up. That'll be an extra big one. I should be saying something spiritual right now, but I can't do that two things at once. <laughs> Okay, and we just made cookies. Those go in this oven here, okay? On three, if you're taking notes, on 375 for nine minutes. All right, and those will be done. So you got to have the right temperature when you're making cookies as well. So from Kyle's kitchen today, all right, we're going to talk about families for just a little bit today because it's not a secret, but it is a specific recipe. And we're going to kind of look at the idea of making cookies and how that relates to having a healthy family today, okay? First of all, every ingredient is important. Say that with me. Every ingredient is important. Now, I know this kind of seems kind of silly today to think of that that way, but the reality is you are important in your family. If you're the middle child, if you're the stepchild, if you're a foster care child, if, if you're, you know, a stepdad, if you're a stepmom, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you have a past, if you don't, you're important. Every ingredient matters. And when you eat something that tastes really good, like a cookie, 
We all appreciate the, you know, the end result, but the reality is every single one of those ingredients makes up something tasting delicious. And you know, there's been times, we've got three kids, where one of our children will be gone at an activity, and you know, we'll just look at each other sometimes and say, you know, we're having fun right now, maybe we went to a movie with, while our other child is somewhere else, but we'll always say, we're missing Noah, or we're missing Grace, or we're missing Luke. Why? Because every, every ingredient's important. Every person is important. Amen? You're important, and so is your family member. Moses said in Genesis, So God created mankind in his own image. Let's finish it together. In the image of he created them. Male and female, he created them. You and I. Those that are watching online today, you and I are created in the image of God. Those of us that are here today, you and I are created. Think about this. You are created in the image. You and I are created in the image of God. That's amazing that God picked us and created us in his image. You are made in the image of God, and so is the rest of your family. So the ingredients are important. But then, you know, it's kind of like when you, like I went to uh, Palookas, right, in Frontenac. I bought some really expensive steaks one time. But the problem was I didn't really manage those steaks very well. I didn't cook them as good as I could have. And when I got done with them and Luke or Noah ate into his, he was like, Dad, you said you spent a lot on this steak. I said, I did. He goes, it didn't taste like you did. I said, you get a hot dog next time. <laughs> See, even though we got good ingredients, it's how you cook it, right? And you got to follow the, the directions for it to, to go well. So guys and gals and our family, we have to follow the directions that God has for us. He made us with good ingredients. You're, we're good stock because we're made in the image of God, but we have to follow his example. See, it's like a coach and a player. The coach can draw up the perfect play. He, he can tell the quarterback, he can say, hey, do this and that, and tell the running back to do this and that. And on paper, it looks amazing. But the player has to go execute the play. And while God designed us, and he designed us for family, we have to follow God's instructions. In fact, Jesus says, if you love me, you will follow my directions. You will follow my recipe. You will follow my example. You will obey my commands. Imagine a football player that's extremely talented but does the opposite of what his coach says. Imagine a pitcher who does the opposite of what the catcher puts down for a sign. Uh, imagine a child who's made in the image of God but completely does the opposite of what his parents do. Imagine a person who's extremely talented but has moral character that's horrible. They don't go together. We have to follow God's instructions for the family. So we're going to park for just a minute this morning in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. And we're just going to jump around in there. But in these two chapters, we see what a good family is supposed to look like. We see here an example of what a healthy recipe is for a family. So this morning, if you're in here today and you don't, you don't hear anything else I say, I want to read a scripture to you that unlocks all the keys 
to, to a healthy family. It, it unlocks all the keys to, even if you come from a broken family, it unlocks all the keys to, to taking something from complicated to, to making sense. It, it's all wrapped up in one little verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. If you don't hear anything else, if you didn't you know, follow anything else in life about what it means to love your neighbor, this verse would be it. You ready? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Say that with me. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. Say that with me. Out of reverence for Christ. See, we live in a culture where it's about merit. It's about earning it. A lot of us are tally counters. You wash the dishes. You help fold the laundry. You mow the yard. You pay the bills. You're a good boy. You're a good girl. Your child gets good grades. We're all about merit. You earn, you earn our love, right? You do what you're supposed to do, and we'll love you hard. And if you don't, then there's no grace. And the reality is this morning that, that Jesus came and died so that we could submit to one another, not because we earn it, but because he earned it. Amen? Out of reverence because he earned it. Out of reverence because he earned it. So essentially, if you were to take this scripture verse and you were going to put it in the form of a question, here's what the question would be. Here's what it would look like for you and I to submit to our spouses, to our kids, to people we work with. Here it is. You ready? What can I do to help? Now, moms, I hope that you hear that today. I hope those words come out of someone's mouth. Now, let's say them today. For some of us, maybe we've never said these words before. So it'll be a little hard to say, all right? Let's all do it together. That way, those who've never said it won't feel embarrassed. You ready? Here we go. What can I do? What can I do to help? Imagine a family where the husband asks the wife, what can I do to help you? Husbands, what can I... Wife, what can I do to help you? Sometimes we don't ask that question because we know they'll tell us. <laughs> Imagine wife asking husband, what can I do to help you? Sometimes we don't ask because they'll tell us. Parents, can you imagine asking your child instead of yelling at them because they're not picking up the skill you're trying to teach them because you didn't budget any grace for them getting it wrong and failing? Imagine if they were trying to learn something and they weren't getting it and you looked at them and said, what can I do to help? How can I say this in a way that you understand? Children, imagine what it would do for your parents. Not just children, adult children too. What could we do to help our, our parent that's in a nursing home? What could we do to help our parent if we're a teenager? What could we do to help our parent if we're five years old? 
Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, Paul gives us an example of of what it means to help in a a marriage. And to be honest with you, the world has an ever-changing, oh, hang on, cookies are done, has an ever-changing opinion about what, oh, those look good. Mm, Those are good. The world has an ever-changing opinion about what that looks like. And the problem with that is, it's really hard to build a foundation if the foundation is always shifting. Right? I mean, imagine building your house on, on land that's always shifting. Culture's always saying that there's certain things, you know, no, that's not healthy anymore. It's something else. But the Word of God never changes. Its foundation doesn't change. These principles don't change. This is what it looks like to help. Paul says, husbands, how you can help is love your wife like Christ loved the church. Let's all say that. Love your wife like Jesus loved. Well, maybe today, how did Jesus Jesus love the church? Jesus, Jesus hung on a cross and took a punishment that the rest of us deserved. Jesus carried the weight of everyone else's sin. Now listen to this. We live in a, in a culture where what Satan tries to do to us is, see, God made, God made men to be courageous, so what Satan, Satan is going to do is do the antithesis of that. So in other words, if, if God wants to make us courageous, the enemy wants to make us cowards. Amen? I mean, whatever God intends for us to be, whether we're a male or a female or whoever, God is, Satan's going to try to get the opposite. So, so God wants dads and husbands to lean into the family. So our natural sinful tendency is to lean out from the family. So we spend all of our time at work because everybody likes us there. We, we spend all our time outside in the garage because we know how things operate there. We spend all of our time in front of the television watching ball games. I've done it. Because we can control that. See, husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church, it loves the church, is simply leaning in when we're tempted to lean out. My wife told me this one time, and it took me 20 years to figure it out. She said, you know how you help with dinner and and." You know, you stay engaged, but then about 7 o'clock you just check out and Grace is tired and, and the kids, you know, they, they're missing this and they're missing that and you just sit there. None of you have heard this but, but me, but I need you to help. Well, her love language is acts of service. If you've read that book, then you know what I'm talking about. So what you can do to help me is don't sit down until... I can sit down. Like every day? No, not every day, but just sometimes. I'm like, okay. Because that ain't happening. 
day right now. <laughs> Wives, here's, here's, the, here's the tension, right, in this. Honor and respect your husbands. And here's how God set this up. If, if, if dad and husband is laying his life down for his family, it's a lot easier to, to honor and respect that, isn't it? But you know how it's hard to play center field and left field? See, we're called to play our position no matter if the other person's playing theirs. So dads and husbands, if, if wife isn't honor and respecting you, you're still called to love, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And wife, if your husband's not laying his life down the way that he, he should, you're still called to honor and respect him. He doesn't deserve it. I agree, out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. We're quiet. Out of reverence for out of reverence for Christ. So let's just make this more tense. Might as well. So husbands have a tendency instead of leaning in to want to lean out. Wives sometimes, and, and that's a stereotype, right? But I'm going to give you another stereotype. Sometimes wives have a tendency to lean in too much. It's called N-A-G-G-I-N-G. <laughs> so maybe some of the wives are like, I can't believe he said that. And some men are sitting there in quiet going, oh, thank you. <laughs> now listen. We all have our, our kryptonite. We all have our weaknesses. But if we're submitted under the authority of God, we're going to lean in. And if we're submitted under the authority of God, we're going to know when to back off. Amen? I'll just leave it there. <laughs> Parents. Actually, what Scripture says is fathers, fathers don't exasperate your children. But you could throw that into parents as well. Parents, don't take advantage of your authority. Say that with me. Don't take advantage. Now, there's two ways that we can take advantage of our authority. One is the obvious way, which is we're too hard on them. You know, God gives us authority over our kids, and sometimes we're too hard on them. That one's the obvious one. Sometimes the way we can take advantage of our authority, too, is we're just all grace and no truth. And they grow up spoiled thinking they're entitled because baby's special. Ba- ba- baby's special. I watched Whitney one time take Noah to the park. This is Noah. And the other kid goes, who cares? <laughs> I thought my wife was going to blow that kid's car up. <laughs> So we can take advantage of it both ways, right? Too much is given. Too much is given. Much is required. See, here's the thing as parents we need to know. Actually, just relationships in general. If you don't hear anything else. Jesus was always simultaneously grace and truth. Always grace and truth. Simultaneously. 
this woman is caught in the act of adultery. They've literally ripped her from the bed. She's embarrassed. She's in front of Jesus and a bunch of Pharisees. And the law says that that they needed to stone her, kill her. And they look at Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, what's the law say? Jesus knows they don't need truth. They need grace. They need to hear the other side of it. He says, well, which of you have, have ever sinned? You never sinned. You cast the first stone. Of course, they all drop their rocks and they walk away. And this woman's laying there crying. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? Well, they're nowhere. Get up, grace. Go, grace. And stop sleeping with people you're not married to. Truth. And when we're parenting our kids, we need grace. Your child needs for you to give grace. I feel burdened by this today for some reason. Some of us don't budget that. My wife told me one time she was watching me in the front yard with my son, with Noah. And she goes, it's a wonder he even wants to learn from you sometimes when you're playing ball with him. I said, what do you mean? Every time he messes up, you're frustrated with him. You need, to, you need to be careful what she's saying. You're not budgeting any grace. So I, I was started being more cognizant of, of not, I, I'm wired to, 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 to make sure he does it correctly instead of creating this environment where he can fail. It's okay to fail around me. I'm not going to bite your head off. Do your kids have permission to fail around you? And you not bite their head off. Do you get on to your kids every time they fail? Don't take advantage of your authority. Kids, obey your parents. It's God's plan. See, I would even go to say, if we can't learn to obey our parents, we'll never learn to obey God. I don't know when it was. It was one of our gatherings here, and we were having worship, and Luke, it was several years ago. He had to have been two or three years old. He wasn't old enough to understand who God was. And myself and several people had their hand in their air during worship, and he, he wasn't putting his hand in the air because he was being spiritually moved to. Maybe he was. That can happen. But logically, probably he was doing it because he saw saw me do it or people around him do it and and if we don't learn to follow our parents if we don't learn to listen to what they say if we don't learn to realize I'm going to say this for some parents I'm going to give give parents another boost here your parents have been down the road before you have and they know some things that you don't know They do. And they're not perfect. But they love you. And sometimes as kids, adult kids too. Sometimes my dad will look at me and I'm like, he he thinks something. Go ahead, dad, say it. Nope, nope, go ahead. 
And as we learn to, to, to follow and be obedient to our parents and be respectful of our parents, that transfers over to the Lord because we follow our parents before we follow God. And so I want to encourage all of us children today and remind parents today that, that even though little baby over there is cute, right? He's 15, baby, he's cute. And he's not listening to you. And you know, when he was four years old and he didn't listen to you, it was kind of cute. And when he was six years old and he was, you know, it was kind of cute. And when he's eight years old and he's not listening, oh, he's just sassy. He's kind of cute. And now he's married to someone and she says, I wish you'd spend more time at home, but he didn't listen to you and he doesn't, he's not under the authority of God. Now it ain't so cute. We have to obey our parents. It's God's plan. The right temperature is critical, as I said earlier. Paul says, make allowances for each other's faults. What's that mean? Put it in the budget. Budget for people to fail. Because I sure want someone to budget for me that I'm going to fail. And you know what's so crazy? For, all, for any perfectionist in here, we probably have some perfectionists in here. Is that when we fail and we admit that we fail, we all think that that, that, that means we're a bad person or there's something wrong with us or, or we didn't come through the way we should or it's going to make people think less of us. You want to know what it does when we admit we fail? It raises how people see us. And it gives them freedom to admit their failures. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Even the tough stuff. Remember, when you're having a hard time with that, the Lord forgave you. Every time we have a hard time forgiving the uncle who did something to us that we've never told anybody about, every time we have a hard time forgiving our ex or exes, Every time we have a hard time forgetting our ex-son-in-law who treated our, our daughter like dirt. Every time that we want to just give up on our spouse because we've already leaned in enough. We've already held our tongue enough. Remember that the Lord forgave you and me. So we have to forgive others. Let's read that. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive. You know when you know when you, forgiveness is really happening? When you stop bringing up what happened. If you're still bringing it up, you haven't forgiven that person. Because sometimes I bring stuff up. I think I'm over it. Whitney's like, you said you forgave me. Yeah, I did. Well, then why are you bringing it up all the time? Well, I don't know. Give grace generously to each other. And you know, timing is everything, just like with cooking here. You can't, if, if I left these cookies in 
another 10 minutes, they taste completely different. When family gets complicated, sometimes we just need to remember they're not done cooking yet. If you're parenting a child and you're discouraged, your child, he's not, he or she's not done cooking yet. You'd like them to be more responsible, and they're not being as responsible as you'd like them to be. They're, they're, their room's messy. Why don't they get this? Why don't they remember? They're not done cooking yet. Timing is everything. And for some of us, we feel like giving up on someone because we can't see the end of the road. But just because we can't see the end of the road doesn't mean there's not an end. Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, at the proper time, at the proper time, say that with me, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if conditional if we don't give up family is complicated but don't give up on each other let's read that together family is complicated but don't give up on each other this series is is about learning to navigate the complicated not avoid it not to avoid the hard conversations see that's That's what I like to do in my family. When it's getting crazy, I don't want to navigate it. I want to go outside or get in the truck. I want to avoid it. But submitting to one another on my end says, I got to lean in. It's not a secret recipe. The Smiths that live next door. We're on Facebook, and they've gone on all these vacations together, and everybody's hair is in the right place, and their kids, you know, they all treat each other real well. And, and their house, you go over to their house, it's probably all picked up, you know. And, and, and they, I bet, I bet their mom makes these really nice meals. I don't have time for that. What's their secret? There's no secret. There's no perfect family. But there is a specific recipe for every family, and that's love. That's grace. That's truth. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do real quick. Those online and here in Pittsburgh, I'm going to ask us just to close our eyes and bow our heads. And I'm just going to ask us a question today. Are you helping? Are you helping today? Are you helping your spouse? Are you helping your kids? Are you helping your parents? Could you just simply ask God this? God, what can I do to help? God, this week, I'm, gonna, I'm just asking you to reveal to me in the ways that I can do a better job of helping. With every head bowed and every eye closed. What can you do to help? In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen.